welcome to another episode of An Uncommon Dialogue at Healing Networks. So we have the beautiful Belinda Hayes with us. How are you, Belinda? I'm very well, Flarity. Yourself? Yeah, excellent, excellent. Thank you for jumping on a podcast interview with us. We really appreciate it. My pleasure, my absolute pleasure. Awesome. So, Belinda, what do you do and what are you passionate about? Why do you do what you do? Great question. I love the why question. It's my favourite. <laughs> Look, I am primarily a spiritual teacher, so that's what I do. I just love to share knowledge and share information about the spiritual industry and about our spiritual selves yeah. with other people. And um, But it's just one of many facets of what I do. I guess, you know, this industry, it's not limited and it's not bound within a box. That's the beautiful thing about it. And everybody's journey, everybody's story is different. So um, I am... I have a background in teaching and a background in business. Um, so for me, sharing, you know, it's all about um, taking what I know and what I've learned and, and the journey that I've been on and actually sharing it with other people so that they can heal themselves as well. So that's my short answer of what I do. <laughs> Obviously, it gets a lot more involved in terms of the um, options that I offer as part of those teachings, you know. I'm primarily a Reiki and crystal healer. And um, so offering that healing and from a spiritual level and energy healing. However, I do offer workshops in learning Reiki yourself. I offer workshops in crystals. Um, I'm insanely passionate about the science of energy. Mm. So actually bringing it back to, you know, taking the woo-woo <laughs> out of, out of um, spiritual teaching and bringing it back to some really big names in the industry and the scientific proof and research that's being done to actually bring us one step closer to proof, shall we say, of our spiritual bodies and our consciousness and all of those, the ways that we um, can actually use the energy of the universe to our benefit and to actually allow us to be whole, holistic, literally, whole people. <laughs> you know, I think we've gotten so caught up in living in an environment of ego and, and stress would probably be the primarily and of course in this day and age unfortunately we don't get through life without some form of trauma as well so and I see that a lot more in children these days you know they've got so much to deal with by the time even by the time they're seven sadly um, but you know so actually helping children through and releasing their trauma so they don't take it into adulthood with them. Wow, that's really beautiful and that's really powerful. Have you always been drawn to spirituality? Look, I was. Um, I have an amazing story. Actually, it's um, quite exciting we're doing this podcast as I do have my story being published in 2018. Oh, so um, there's a wonderful publication coming out with White House Publishing called Journey of an Empath and um, goes into great detail of my story, um, having been invited to be one of the authors within it. But I, I was one of those kids that always saw spirit. And <laughs> um, it was so common that I actually thought everybody did I didn't realize that um, people didn't and it wasn't till I was literally almost 12 before I had that first realization that I was seeing people that other people weren't um, and I saw them clear as day you know they were they were there as as much as you were right well we're on the um, Zoom call, but <laughs> as much as you're right here with me. And, um, you know, I was very fortunate. Although my mother was raised Catholic, um, my father's Protestant, um, I was actually, you know, my mother said to me, are you scared? No. You know, are they hurting you? No. Then why are you afraid? You know, and so I was able to just sort of embrace the fact that they were part of my life. Unfortunately, I had... Um, 
quite a few, you know, like I said, everybody has a story and I suffered trauma in my early childhood and um, spirit were there always to have my back, to show me their support. But unfortunately, as a child, you didn't see it that way. Yeah. You know, that's an adult hindsight. <laughs> and um, so I had a, um, a, a sexual assault occur from my own grandfather um, when I was a young child and spirit appeared prior to that event happening in my life. Um, and then many years later, I was attacked quite viciously in a park by a group of girls and I had an incredible apparition of spirit prior to that. Finally, when I was 16, um, I was unfortunately attacked by an intruder in my own home. So prior to all of those quite significant traumatic events in my life, I would have these amazing things happen, absolutely amazing. Almost, you know, people would put them down to, let's say, poltergeist activity. <laughs> you know, I would have posters moved around my room. I'd had lights turning on and off. I would have spirit appear and talk to me. What actually happened to my naive self was, I started to associate spirit with trauma, <laughs> unfortunately, as you can imagine. And um, it wasn't long until I sort of very non-politely told spirit where it could go because I believed, you know, as myself then that if I could say to spirit, if I could get rid of spirit, I could get rid of the trauma <laughs> or from happening in my life. So um, as I know now, you know, um, moving into my late 30s, that that's actually not the case at all. Um, that trauma still happens, but unfortunately it just happens very, in a very lonely space then because you don't have that, that love that spirit's constantly sending you. So I ended up, after telling spirit to leave my life, I ended up searching constantly for this part of me or this thing that was missing. And I guess, um, again, it's, a, it's an adult hindsight that I've been able to embrace now, but I was just always searching for unconditional love. <laughs> you know, it's, it's what the universe was offering me and it's what I was always surrounded with in the most amazing way and I just didn't, I, I, I took it for granted, you know. And I guess I, I don't berate myself, I don't berate that child. But I did grow up, you know, and, I, and I'm, this is why I'm so passionate of working with kids as well because I grew up so connected and I could feel energy and I could see it and I could connect to it and, you know, the world around me was crazy. I was that kid, um, you know, and you may remember the World Vision ads that used to be on TV and, you know, even when your likes of Robin Williams passed away, I mean, I would fall apart. <laughs> I would be crying and then I was often told, you know, oh, you've got your bleeding heart or, you know, you're too sensitive or, you know, all those things that we label kids that actually and, you know, to some degree, some kids these days, I have a five-year-old son who's very, very sensitive and people would see him as being overly emotional. But he's not, he just, I, I, and because I can sense it as well, he just picks up somebody's energy straight away and he reacts to it. And um, he's still learning the, the control and coping mechanisms of that. And it's such a hard thing as a kid. And more and more and more children are coming through with these beautiful, connected, awakened consciousnesses. That's such a word. And, um, <laughs> you know, and they're starting to, and actually allowing them and recognising them for what actually is happening, the fact that they're, they're so attuned, they're just attuned to the earth. You know, I've seen my daughter when the volcano erupts in Bali, for example, I've seen my daughter react to that. You know, she'll go crazy. She'll be, you know, teary and she'll be hyperactive. And, and um, it's actually the energy of the earth that she's re responding to. And I think a lot of kids still actually connect so deeply to that sort of energy that we don't give them enough credit for it, you know. Um, and I grew up like that. I grew up as one of those kids 
So by the time I was 16 and I'd told spirit to sort of um, go away, <laughs> I, um, I spent a lot, I was just, I guess I was just lonely. I was lost would be a better way to describe it. Um, and I spent a long time looking, just looking for what I was missing. And, um, you know, I life happens in the meantime. I got bogged down, of course, in the egotistical life that you do. I got a job. I started climbing the corporate ladder. I went to uni and I studied. I love to learn, love, 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 love to learn, um, which I guess is why I've ended up as a teacher now. <laughs> you know, I went to uni and I studied a double degree in law and psychology. I thought I wanted to be uh, a forensic psychologist. But unfortunately, there's just some things that don't, sit well you know on our own moral compass and for me that was the law <laughs> and um, without getting into massive detail with that but you know I just couldn't work within that industry it just it was never going to sit well with me and so I went back to uni and I studied human services and child protection only to realize that I was going to need a halfway house the size of Australia <laughs> if I could um you know trying to save all those beautiful beautiful souls that just deserve more and there's you know I, I couldn't do the groundwork I realized I spent three years at uni just crying in every lecture at <laughs> the stories and the content and and um, you know I literally tip my hat to those people that can that are on the ground doing that work because it is a very very hard job you know emotionally and um, they're just so suited to it those people that do do it and there's no right or wrong <laughs> you know they do the best job they can do it's as simple as that I've seen it firsthand so so I sort of ended up coming out of with all this learned education um, and didn't quite know what I wanted to do. I was still searching. I was still lost, you know, and I see so many people coming to me for that exact same thing, you know, just that I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> um, but I know it's not this. And um, I met a man and married my husband and we had two children. We travelled the world um, for three years, in fact, saw some amazing, amazing things then after we travelled and we came back and had kids, I guess I was just in a space where I, I'd never really stopped to find that lost part of myself. And one day I did and as a result, you know, life was busy and um, feeling lost. My husband and I separated and we did split and divorce. So um, that was a, you know, it was a tough time, but it, we're best friends, absolutely best friends. He's a phenomenal man. And um, we had two beautiful children and that was what mattered to us the most. And, of course, I then went in search of, once again, love. <laughs> Through that process, I met a man online, as we do in this day and age, and um, went on to move into a relationship that I thought was perfect. I thought I'd found, you know, I thought I'd found what I'd lost. I thought I found this wonderful blended family. I'd found a man who I thought was everything he was claiming to be. Unfortunately, what I didn't realise at the time is that I walked straight into a domestic violence situation. So I spent two years um, I would like to say probably in hell <laughs> you know I got a first I got a point of reference that I'd never thought I would uh, you know I'm a very strong person I have a very strong mother you know my grandmother uh, I was a farmer's wife you know they were raised on the farm there was no bs from her <laughs> and she never gave bs and and you know so to find myself in that position was a real awakening moment for me it did take two years in actual fact to find that awakening and um, by then because of the journey I'd been on I'd been at university I'd been studying I went on to do a master's of business which I'm currently completing at the moment I owned we were running a painting company um, we had an indoor play center that we owned and were operating so you know life was crazy hectic busy 
And unfortunately, I just let that be an excuse. In all honesty, at the time, it wasn't an excuse. At the time, it was my reality. My reality was I was busy. I was working. I had three children to look after. And the rest just happened around me, you know. And I started to appreciate and I started to realise that I let it, what happens as empaths, and I think anybody who's probably watching this podcast now is certainly connected because they're drawn to healing, they're drawn to sensitivity, they're drawn to energy, they've got all these reasons they're watching this right now. And I think to even be in that space, there's something in the back of your mind that already um, indicates that you're an empath, whether you're embracing it or not. But certainly, you know, the ability to feel energy and clairsentience is something we all possess. What I was being taught and I've, I've learnt in, through the process of healing certainly is that I was getting a first-hand look at how, why a woman stays. I was a victim blamer before that and it was a really, you know, when we delve into our shadow selves and we see the things that we don't like about ourselves, that was actually one I found. I was the person that said, oh, why would a woman stay? You know, why would a woman stay in an in what, just pick your kids up and leave like you know it's no good for them and it's no good for you and and I never understood just how absolutely soul-destroying and how utterly um, how utterly they can break you or they do break you prior to any form of abuse actually starting so unfortunately and I'm, I'm I've sat here so that you can all hopefully see it I do have uh, the scars as a reminder of what I've been through but I did come out of that um, you know I, I did get to a point where he was physically violent with me. I got to a point where I could have died and I was putting my children through a hell of an ordeal. You know, my daughter was five. I had a three-year-old son and he had a nine-year-old son as part of his, his previous relationship. I was, I, I literally hated myself. You know, I remember being that person at the time where I was, um, I didn't care what happened to me. I really didn't, you know, and this is coming from a place where previously I'd been studying and I'd been married and I was happy and I connected with spirit all those years ago and I travelled the world and I'd done these amazing things and here I was living this life that was just awful, you know, and it, I bring that up because it's so pivotal. I shared a post recently and I think that's even, Florida, how you and I first connected in support of White Ribbon Day. And, I, and I'm passionate about sharing my story every year and I'll continue to do so. And I've had three women, I'm just trying to work out how many I'd actually spoken to, I had three women contact me just as a result of that post alone wanting to leave their relationships. You know, and that's, that's what matters to me. It's the fact that if I can help one woman, um, one person, one man, I'm, I'm not making this a gender-specific thing, not by any means. It's just that that's my personal experience, you know, to recognise the signs and make changes and begin the healing process of such a severe trauma like that, then, you know, I sort of feel like my work here is done. <laughs> I just want to reiterate, it doesn't start with the abuse it starts with unconditional love. That's what they smother you with. They smother you with everything you ever wanted. And um, from there, what happened is the lies started. And there was this way of manipulating me into believing that that was my fault, that the lies that were told, that I had to apologise for them. I, I remember the first time he actually lied to me. I was, my children had come over. Um, my, he, my children were with me and we were waiting for him to come over. We were going to go over to, for a swim on one of the local islands, the South um, Islands here at Coochie Mudlow. And um, 
we'd waited. They had their shoes on. They're, I mean, they were five and three and they're at the front door and they're waiting for him and we waited for hours and he didn't turn up and I was ringing him and ringing him and he wasn't answering and trying to entertain the kids and, you know, he eventually, when he did turn up, said, look, I slept in, I forgot to set my alarm, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, as they do. And we'd missed the boat and we ended up going down to the pond and feeding the ducks. And But what he didn't know is at the time I'd been organising a surprise birthday party. There was a lot of friends from out of town he hadn't seen in a long time and I was in contact with them, bringing them all together for dinner. And um, his best mate rang me while we were down at the pond and said to me, I had your man pull up after the poker night last night. And I was, I remember being gutted. It was the first, you know, and just saying, He's, I knew he'd lied to me and he hadn't, or he hadn't been completely truthful, but either way he'd lied, you know, he'd lied. And um, I waited, he was staying the night and I waited for the kids to go to bed and I brought it up with him. And it actually resulted in him saying to me, and I remember so clearly how he said to me, I just, you know, I didn't want the drama that you would bring with a conversation like this. I didn't want, you know, I didn't know how you'd feel about me spending time with my friends and you can be really fickle at times and, you know, um, judgmental or domineering or whatever words he used at the time. And I actually went to bed that night. We went to bed that night with me apologising to him for coming across that way. <laughs> I'm sorry that you actually felt I was like that. I'm sorry if I've portrayed some sort of ever done anything that would make you think I would react like that and I'm sorry and I'm sorry and the most amazing hindsight you know that can come is actually remembering that moment and that moment is the moment that he won that he had me hook line and sinker you know I had given my power over to him and um, apologized for him doing the wrong thing because I was, you know, that's what we do. We internalise, we go into ourselves, we process ourselves. And I say we as in our fellow um, empaths, fellow clairsentients, people that actually, you know, care about their healing process and, and removing and understanding their bodies and themselves. Of course, that was it. That was the beginning of the end, unfortunately for us. From there, every time something happened, it was my fault. And eventually I started to believe him. Eventually I agreed I believed he was the only person that could see my true faults. He was the only one that saw me through the eyes of the world and that, you know, everybody else was false to me. <laughs> and he got me to a point where I isolated, I, I removed myself from my family and all of my friends because they lied to me. They weren't telling me the truth. They were telling me these things that weren't, you know, whereas he was the only one that was really telling me the truth. And um, it was a short jump then from there to physical violence, unfortunately. Um, and then... He's changed tactics and after, and he started, you know, the mental manipulation and one day he said to me, oh, I'm leaving you, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here and I, I just, I, something happened to me that day, I realised it was another form, it was another abuse tactic, you know, he, he'd done the emotional and, and manipulation, he'd done the physical abuse and now he was moving on to the mental. He was mentally manipulating me to, um, for his own schemes and I actually... Um, I wish I could work. I wish I knew why that moment was so pivotal to me. It was the middle of the night. I said, "Okay, I'll save you the drama. I'll go." And I remember getting my kids out of bed in that middle of the night, packing as much as I could fit into two or three bags. You know, whatever I could just literally grab. And I mean, it sounds heroic, but it was actually horrific. You know, the kids were screaming and crying that they didn't want to go. I was hysterical. They were hearing things being said they should never have heard. 
you know, I had a, a stepson, essentially, a third child that I knew I was going to leave and never see again but had to get out and I had to leave him. He, I, I couldn't take him. That would be kidnapping. I'm not his mum um, and I knew I was leaving him in a situation like that but I had to. We fled in the middle of the night and I remember pulling up down the road. It was about maybe 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning and going, shit, I don't have anywhere to go. You know, my family, I've, I, I've, been, I've isolated every friend I ever had and we slept in the car that night. <laughs> and um, the next day I took my children straight around to my ex-husband's house and told him everything told him everything you know every single one of my friends I told I tripped and fell <laughs> on the hem of my dress and fell into a door frame and 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 you know my husband or my ex-husband actually said to me I I knew something wasn't right like I knew it and the amount of people that said to me I knew it I knew it and you know if I can give any advice to that situation it would be that if you do know if you think you know do something about it you know I see it now do something about it so, um, yeah, I got out of there. I got out of there. The happy, the happy ending is I got out of there. But what happened is I was in a very, very, very bad state. So in terms of, I know this is a very long-winded answer to your question, <laughs> but in terms of have I always been spiritual, the answer is yes, I have. But I did experience that breaking point of trauma for me. What actually happened is the most um, amazing thing, and this is where I say there's always a silver lining behind everything, always, always. <laughs> Bless you. See, we have an empath right there. <laughs> I am um, going through an experience like that. You know, I ended up, and it doesn't, it doesn't get easy the minute you leave. You know, it doesn't get easy the minute you leave. I ended up, um, all I could afford because I'd left, you know, with the clothes on my back was a little tiny two-bedroom apartment and I had two children and myself. It was tiny. I had a friend donate a bunk bed for my kids to sleep in. They bought it from Salvos for me. And this is coming from a girl who ran businesses a lot, always had money. I lived in a five-bedroom house with a massive backyard. I had a dog. I had a cat, you know, you name it, and um, travelled the world. It had never been something I'd had to deal with before. The apartment I was in was so small that we couldn't even fit a dining room in there. So every night I would get some milk crates and I would get one of our camping tables and I would set up a dining table in our carport out the front of our unit and we would eat dinner in our carport because that was the only space we could actually fit to put plates on. And my kids, you know, at the time they thought it was a camping adventure and, and I would cry and I would cry all through dinner and I just, I, I had so much shame and I think that was really important to acknowledge. I, I felt shame for how I, that I'd let it happen. I felt shame for the fact that I didn't believe in myself enough. I felt shame that I let it happen to me. I just felt shame, shame, you know very Game of Thrones. <laughs> shame, shame, shame. Things got worse from there. They got a lot worse. Unfortunately, the only way he could then control me once I left was financially. And so I lost everything. He put both of our companies into liquidation, closed them down literally within days. And I lost every cent I had. I lost all of my savings. My kids were in a private school and I had to pull them out of school the next day. So they'd lost their home, they'd lost their friends, they'd lost their school and essentially they'd lost their mum for some time as well. It was horrific, absolutely horrific time and situation for me. But what did happen is I was forced to stop. <laughs> and um, this is really, really important because this, you know, is how I now live my life. I was forced and I was I was forced into the position of just being completely still, just doing absolutely nothing. There was nothing I could do. I, I couldn't work, I didn't have a job, I couldn't think, I couldn't eat, I couldn't I just couldn't do anything. And um, when you're in that position, you're left with nothing but your thoughts. 
and eventually your thoughts, when they're that negative, they do one of two things. They either sadly make you take your own life or they force you to go, no, I don't accept those thoughts. I don't want those thoughts. What do I want? Is this my life? What do I want? With that, there was my silver lining. I paused long enough to connect back into my soul. You know, instead of just existing, constantly existing, I paused long enough to listen to what my soul wanted. And the amazing thing happened is spirit came back into my life at that exact moment. They'd never been not there. I just never shut up long enough to listen to them again. <laughs> you know, I was too bloody busy. I was busy studying and I was busy working and I was busy being a mum and I was busy travelling and I was busy just living life or what I thought was life. And um, really I paused and spirit were there and they had my back and they directed me to, I sadly did attempt to take my own life. That wasn't something I revealed in that post, but I did. In that moment, my, it was my daughter who found me, sadly, and she ran to her bedroom and on her first birthday she'd been gifted this beautiful piece of rose quartz from her godmother and she ran and I remember in my even in my state of semi-unconsciousness she put it in my hand and she said it's okay mummy this is love you told me this is love and for the first time and you know this is when I say spirit entered my life something happened to me right then and there as I held this crystal in my hand and as my daughter sent me love is I felt unconditional love again for the first time in my life it wasn't the first time in my life since I was 16 since I was 12 since I was 10 you know I felt that support come back into my life that love that um, connection to the universe and something bigger than myself and um, I survived <laughs> you know I didn't die and I got through it and I actually ended up going on and doing some crystal healing and um, I realised that I need to be here for my kids and, and there's something else out here that we're all connected and there's real power in that. You know, that moment that I, I felt the love my daughter sent me and I felt spirit step in and I felt energy from this crystal and I, it, was, it was miraculous. It's, I mean, that's the only word I can really describe. It saved my life. That's, that's what it did. It saved my life. And I, I connected with these amazing Reiki masters and healers and I got some healing done and the spiritual energy when I felt it in my body, you know, brought me awake again. And I worked with the crystals and the crystals sent me on these journeys and, and opened up some real emotional wounds. Sadly, when we do heal, we have to sometimes delve back into trauma. <laughs> Unfortunately, we can't just forget the trauma happened. We do need to acknowledge it and let it go. But I chose then to go through that journey. I thought, you know what, if I'm healing from this, let's heal. Let's be healed. No more, you know. My ex-husband was my saving grace. He was my white knight. He, he took my kids and he said to me, I've got them. Don't you worry about them. They're supported financially, emotionally. I've got them. He moved me out of that tiny little two-bedroom home and he moved me into his house and he said, as long as you need it, you've got a roof over your head. There's no financial burdens. You have none. He said, "What? do what you need to do to get better. And that's what I did. I went on this spiritual journey and I found... I found healers and they healed me and I became a healer myself and I, the energy that I could feel was phenomenal. And so I knew, I knew the more I sat in stillness, the more I meditated, that's the word we use in, in this day and age, but, you know, I call it sitting in stillness. The more we sit in stillness, the more we can actually hear the universe talk to us.
and the more we can connect to it and the more we feel it and the, and the more we can heal from it and use the energy of it. Being the learned individual that I am, I knew that wasn't enough for me. <laughs> so I, I went into the science of energy and I wanted to know why it works and how, what am I feeling and, and I actually experienced and I met and I researched and there's so much amazing stuff going on in the world of science. You know, Bruce Lipton and Greg Braden and Joe Dispenza and there's some phenomenal people doing some phenomenal work around the world bringing um, their own education and their own journey to light to actually say, hey, guys, wake up. <laughs> you know, wake up. And um, my... My being spiritual is because I always say there's two types of light workers. There's those that are just born with it. You know, and we're seeing that with a lot of kids that are coming through now. There's those that just get it. They, for the minute they're born, they're connected to the universal life force energy and they live in it and they flow in it and they share it and, you know, and then there's those that have been through it and they've done the work, <laughs> you know, and they've had that experience. So many amazing people I meet whether it's through near-death experience or whether it's through trauma or whether it's through an awakening of their own um, consciousness, actually connect to this energy and, and start living that world. There's just no other world for them to live in. It's, it's, it's quite as simple as that. And I can't imagine myself doing anything by what I do now ever again. You know, when I worked in the corporate realm, it was always, what can I do next? <laughs> What's my, you know, how, how do I advance? How do I get better? And, and I used to call it self-actualization because that's what they did, right? That was the word. I'm just trying to actualize, you know, I'm trying to be the best version of myself I can be by climbing this corporate ladder where in actual fact I was already the best version of me because that's who I am. That's my soul. That's who I'm born with. And what I can do is connect to the, to the rest of the souls that exist and share and by sharing collectively, that's how we self-actualize. You know, that's that's how it's actually done. And so stepping back and then just going, you know what, life's not about life's not about that dollar and life's not about that corporate ladder and, and life's about just love. <laughs> and it's and I don't mean that egotistical, I want you, I need you, come here, you're mine, two people kind of love. I'm talking about that love that comes from this space, you know, and that just gets shared. And what happens to me now is if I'm in the car and somebody's road raging at me, I can look at them and go, wow, their base chakra is really unaligned. <laughs> and I just, I don't feel anger. I don't get um, angry and I don't, you know, all those emotions that used to come out in me, they just, they don't anymore because I can share that space and go, that's okay, that's their journey and whatever's going on in their life. You know, I send them love and, and um, I hope they can heal from it and I wish one day they look back on this moment and go, I can actually don't need to project that anger. You know, that anger comes from actually something else. And, and so that's what I'm passionate about doing. I take one person at a time. They're my clients who book in for healings with me or consultations. And um, we go on their own healing journey with them. You know, I, and, and then I share as much as I can. I share my journey. I share my knowledge and, you know, how changing my life and has actually led to changing so many other people's, <laughs> essentially. So, you know, um, like I said, very long-winded answer to have I always been spiritual? Yeah, yeah, I have. But sometimes it just takes being still to actually allow you to connect with what that means to you. And so that's what I'm excited to sort of be online and, and sharing that story and talking to you guys about. 
Oh, Linda, I honestly, like, I don't even... My throat chakra is blocked. <laughs> oh. so I just want to say thank you so much. And, um, yeah, you know, you're not going to obviously stop doing the light working. I, I know that. You know that. It's a beautiful thing. And, you know, sometimes we need to walk through that valley of darkness in order to be able to reach that light towards the end and then share that light as well. And um, very grateful for you and your presence on this earth for beauty and um, mindfulness that you're, you're doing, you know. And I'm very sorry that you had to go through these things. But as you know, as a light worker, sometimes we need to. Um, sometimes you got to walk the walk. Absolutely. And, and you know, I don't... At the time, I wish, you know, why did this happen to me? You know, the, it's all those... We, they call it killing ants, all those automatic negative thing thoughts. You know, why me and this sucks and um, it's not fair and, and all those things that happen. But I, I genuinely look back now and say... Because of that experience, one, I can identify a narcissist like that now, let me tell you. <laughs> um, number two, though, I when I have a woman or, or a man, for that matter, who comes to me or a child and they're living through some form of family violence um, or have experienced sexual abuse um, in their lives or um, have gone through those you know, maybe they've been so depressed, they're in a place for their own for their own story. It's more, I mean, I can do more than empathise, I can sympathise, but certainly I, I literally know where they've been. I know what's going on in their head and I understand what they're feeling and thinking, but I also know there's a light at the end of the tunnel. I know they can heal from it and I know their life can improve and it not just improve, but be wonderful, you know. I've never, ever been happier than I am now. My children and I, I remember in those moments just hating being a mum. You know, and um, that's not fair on any kid. <laughs> and now nothing makes me happier than spending time with my kids. Like, you know, I, I was saying before we before we actually started recording that it's school holidays already for my kids. They've got two months, if you can believe that, two months at home. But I've taken two months off. Um, I'm still seeing clients here and there in between, but I'm just spending two months with my kids, you know, going camping and we've been playing a lot of mousetrap and, you know, <laughs> and, um, you know, just really connecting with them, with them again because that alone actually is their healing. You know, that's a way that they can heal as well. They have trauma now from what they've experienced and what they've been through um, and I can actually help them release that trauma so that, you know, my daughter doesn't, grow up to, to date the wrong kind of guy because she's got some trauma, you know, or my son doesn't have anger issues or what, whatever it may manifest into um, because it does. And so, yeah, for me, you know, connecting into, in actual fact, I'm looking at heading over to Canada in, in June next year so I can go and meet, you know, Greg Braden and Bruce Lipton in person and, and um, get to know and get to see firsthand their their journeys and their experience and I love to bring whatever I share back you know and and send that just keep sharing that amazing message there was a documentary called heal the beautiful Donna Lee put on um, from Connect magazine recently across Australia in in this area of the woods anyway I know it's everywhere um, and to just know that people are starting to take that understanding that it's all in here and it's all in here is where we heal 
And when we have a physical disease in our body, you know, when something physically manifests, it's already been through the mental, it's been through the emotional, and it's come from the spiritual. You know, there's actually three forms of defence prior to physical. <laughs> and so by the time we get to the physical, well, we've got to go back and look at, hang on a minute, what didn't I address and what didn't I heal back in these other layers of my body? And quite often it starts with the spiritual. <laughs> well, not quite often. It always does. <laughs> it's about, you know, the energy centres of our body. If we can keep them aligned and balanced, well, then we don't have the emotional. We don't have the uh, mental and we certainly don't have the physical that actually then manifests as a result. So, you know, I'm passionate about the sooner science can actually show to the world, yep, this there are four planes of, and we know it. We all know it. Um, science knows it. They're just trying to prove it because there's the people out there that say prove it. Yeah, prove it. You know, we know that when we do Reiki on somebody, it triggers homeostasis. We know the body starts to naturally self-heal the same way as if we cut ourselves, our blood clots, and it self-heals. That's called homeostasis. And they can take blood samples and see homeostasis occurring in the body from nothing but hands-on healing. Yeah. You know, why? How? That's what science is still discovering. You know morphic resonance and the hundredth monkey theory and actually the noetic science and all these amazing fields um, epigenetics that is proving that no by the age of seven all our neural pathways aren't solid they actually can change we can change our neural pathways at the age of you know i won't give away my age but in our 30s <laughs> and um, we still have that ability to do that um, our dna has some sort of powerful energy field that attracts light photons and they don't know why but it does, you know, um, and if that's the case, is there a whole other form of energy in our DNA? I, I certainly believe so. You know, morphic resonance, you only have to Google that term and have a little bit of a read and, and you'll see that, yeah, actually, there's something pretty powerful going on between the linkages of DNA of a species. And we are a species. We are the human being species. Yeah. Um, you know, and I wish just for one, my, my ultimate wish, I know, you know, I sound like um, I'm on some beauty pageant when I say my ultimate wish is world peace <laughs> but my ultimate wish is that the entire human collective could pause go still for honestly if it was even just one minute and send a collective intention of healing to mother earth I can't even imagine I, like I can I can't even imagine what that would do one to us as a species but two to this planet I just I can only dream and, and you know I don't think sadly I don't think I'll be around to see it but god I hope you know, my kids, my grandkids, my great-grandkids are, that moment where we exist like avatars, <laughs> you know, like that movie Avatar where we just get how powerful the connection of energy is between every single thing, you know. Energy doesn't end here. This is just where the matter formation ends. The energy just keeps going and we're all con And then it keeps going even over to wherever you are, Florida, and connecting. Um, it just connect. I'm connected to you because the energy is just flowing. It never, it never ceases, you know, so... Um, I'm very passionate about sharing Reiki healing. Reiki's my go-to. <laughs> Everything's energy, you know, and that, that's the beautiful essence of Reiki. Crystals, like I said, saved my life. And um, if you could see my home and where I am, I have crystals everywhere. Um, you know, it, it's just part of who I am. In actual fact, right here beside me is my crystal drink bottle. <laughs> I infuse the energy into the water and drink that. <laughs> um, you know, and... I share as much as I can. I write, I blog, I, I have articles in magazines, I, I participate in podcasts like this and, you know, and maybe one day I'll be able to do that on a, a bigger and national and global scale when, you know, when people are ready to hear that. So, 
that's my aim. <laughs> my aim in life is world peace. That, that's not such a bad thing, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I'm 100% sure that Spirit's got your back and is going to help you make that happen. Absolutely, I do too. Linda, if people want to find you, if they want to come to you, your services and your helping and healing, how can they find you? Yeah, thanks, Florida. I'm Look, I've got a few things that I do. Like I said, I do run a healing company. It's called Be Free Healing. That's B double E. My nickname is um, Belinda. They call me B. Um, but more than that, the B is so important. Without the B, we would all die, <laughs> you know. And the way the B lives is via a queen, and she has her soldiers around her and her working bees. But we need to remember to put ourselves first, and that the queen bee. This is us. That we are the queen bee, yeah, and the rest is just energy and everything else that happens around us. So um, that's the meaning behind my business name. So be free healing, B -E. um, I also have a website called The Spiritual Teacher, so .com.au. And on there I share my speaking, um, where I might be speaking next and presentations. I have my publications and eBooks that I've written if you're interested. Um, so there's a whole lot of wonderful information on there. And I also run and host and organise the Redlands Spiritual and Healing Expo. So they're hold, held three times a year here in the Redlands in Brisbane, Queensland. And um, so if you ever came down to one of those, you'll find me there. Um, I'm always present and I try to speak at those if I can as well. So um, for those of you that aren't Brisbane-based, I do, from 2018, I'll be introducing and bringing on board all of my online courses as well. So um, stay tuned to that or follow me, certainly on Facebook um, or on Instagram, whatever your preference is, and um, I'll have a whole lot of online courses that you can connect into um, or, or see where I might next be at anyway. So. Well, thank you so much, Belinda. I really hope that you'd be willing to jump back on another podcast. I probably will cry again. <laughs> I'm prepared for that. <laughs> um, thank you so much for sharing yourself and your story and your work and your mission. I'm very, very honoured and very grateful um, for you to share that with us. It's my pleasure and thank you for having me and, you know, being a part of the Healing Networks, um, I love it. I absolutely love it. You know, this is how we collectively share and how we can collectively heal and it's a really good platform for people that are just getting to that point where they need to connect with somebody. So thank you for doing what you do, beautiful, and um, connecting all these amazing, wonderful people and, and offering a space, a safe space for people to come to find what they need so it's very much needed and certainly my gratitude to you is extended